All right, so today we're going to wrap up our series that we called The Choice. Why did we call it The Choice? Choice to live for God. That's, that's right. Let's be a little more specific. We didn't just talk about living for God. We talked about some, a, a key word uh, that we've been using this whole time because it's about authority. What have we been talking about? It's an S word and ends in omission. How about that one? Great. 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 So we've been talking about submission to the Lord. Submitting to God. Submitting to other relationships in your life. We talked about authority is a good thing. That God created it for your good. It doesn't always feel good. And, and there's, all, there's also, we have to acknowledge, there's abuses of authority in this fallen world. So I'm not saying all forms of authority in your life are good. But there's so much authority in your life that we buck against that God has hand-placed you under for your good and for his glory. We talked about the root of all sin is ultimately rebellion or lack of submission. And then we talked about the root of all righteousness is full submission to the authority. We, we, we kind of tied that together with Christ and how Christ came and was the perfect obedience on our behalf. And then how because of us, if we are Christians, we can now live that obedience out because of all that Christ has done. But I've already heard this question probably 10 times. So I want to go ahead and talk about this. Why in the world, Ryan, are we talking about authority before we talk about our series on gender, sexuality, and relationships? Who's thought that? Okay, all three of you. Everybody else isn't being honest. Um, I've heard it multiple times, and I've addressed it a few times. But I want to just chat about this for a little bit. Uh, on February 8th, we're going to start a new series called God's Good Design. We're going to be talking about uh, how God has designed you. Manhood and womanhood and uh, relationships and how should you relate to somebody of the opposite sex. We're going to talk about all of those things throughout this semester. Yeah, and we're going to use the word sex this semester. I know. If you need to talk to your parents and see if that's okay with, with them, you can do that. But why? So let me ask you now. Why would I start by talking about authority? Why would I start where we started? Anybody want to take a stab at that? That's good. That wasn't my intention, but if you do listen to me more because of that, that's great. <laughs> I didn't think about it that way, but that's, that's good. Anybody else? I'm sorry, say it again. Okay, so that's good. So uh, the authorities that have been placed in your life, it doesn't really matter if they're a man or woman. If they're authority God's place, you do need to submit. Uh, you don't need to submit more to dad than just mom. It's submitting to both of them. They are both your parents. Go ahead. Great, great. That's where I'm going. So, let me, let me word this carefully. 
why does it matter or where do we go to find the definition of a man or of a woman? If it's not about God, then we're only left to our own feelings, faulty logic, and assessing the world. If that's all we go off or we're going if that's all that we go off of, we're going to have a skewed perspective. But if we're willing to understand and recognize the authority of God, the authority of his word above all life, then we can go to him for our definitions. We can go to him for the descriptions. We can go to him for the type A, type B. What is this supposed to look like? That's why we start with submission to authority. Because at the end of the day, I don't have any better answer for you than God said so. In so many ways. Yeah, there's some things we can look at that say, okay, we can see how it's better for people. We can see how it helps humanity flourish if it's practiced in the way that God has designed it. But my underpinning, my base, my foundation for my argument is God's word has told me this is what it looks like. That's why we start with authority. That's why tonight we're going to spend our final moments talking about vertical submission. Submitting to the Lord in all things. If we don't start with God's word as authority, we've got no basis for anything we do. And something as foundational and as important as who you are as a man and who you are as a woman and what God's created you for, if we don't have the fundamentals of God decides how this works, we've got nothing. We're building our house on the sand. And so as you hopefully learn and grow and change as you interact with people at school, at your jobs, uh, on your sports teams. You have, to con- be, you have to be convinced of where your answers come from. You have to be convinced that I know what authority I go to for answers about life. And it's not the newspaper. It's not Time Magazine. It's not Yahoo News. It's not the conversation at my lunch table. It is God's word. So we'll start this series on February 8th. I'm looking forward to it. I'm also trembling as I think about laying it out. It's a big, big deal. And it's important for you guys because Understanding who you are and what God's made you for is going to help you the rest of your life. It'll help you as you think about college and jobs. It'll help you as you think about potential spouse. It'll help you as you think about friends. It'll help you as you think about the church. The doctrine or the theology of manhood and womanhood and who God has designed us to be is vital to the life of you and to the life of the church. So I'm really excited about it, but that's why we start with authority. 
is because we've got to nail that down. Does that make sense? So you understand why we would do this? It's a great question. Why in the world would you start here? Why couldn't we just dive right in? It's because I didn't want to dive right in without us understanding my understanding of God's word about men is because I've submitted myself to God and his word to define that for me. And so by his grace, I pursue the picture God's laid out for manhood. I'm not perfect. I don't pursue it perfectly, but it informs me and helps me know who am I to be. All right. So go ahead and open your uh, copy of the scriptures to Matthew 7. Matthew chapter 7. I want to set the stage for what's going on here in the text as we kind of did last week. It's important for us to know historically kind of what is this passage? What is going on here? Matthew chapter 7, we're going to read verse 13 through 28, and that's where we'll be for our time tonight. But does anybody know uh, this is the very end of a, of a big sermon called what? Sermon on the Mount. So this sermon was preached most likely to crowds as well as the disciples who were there with him. It's a lengthy, lengthy sermon. In fact, most scholars believe it was just a summary of all the things that Jesus said. Because there was probably more that he had said. But these are his words that are recorded for us in the book of Matthew. He is laying out uh, kind of a Christian ethic. What are Christians supposed to look like? What are people who follow me supposed to? To look like. And so this back end section is after he's gone through so many things. And if you have some time on your own, read through it and you can get the context. But he's getting to the end and things are really starting to get serious. What I, what I mean by that is if you were sitting in the crowd right now, uh, you're either leaning over in your seat because you don't want to miss a word or you're kind of backing up because it's hurting everything he's saying. Jesus starts to, to kind of make eye contact with you and you start to cringe because you know, ah, that's not me. Or that's, that's not how I'm living. He says some, he says some pretty uh, hard, hard, hard things. So let's go ahead and read. I'm going to read verse 13 through 28, uh, Matthew 7. And then we'll, we'll pray and we'll, we'll get to work, guys. Starting in verse 13. Enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistle? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruit. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. 
On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. And then David read this already. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell. And great was the fall of it. And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching. For he was teaching to them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. Let me pray. Lord, do in me and through your word, your work tonight. Cause us to think deeply. Cause us to love you more. Prick our consciences if we do not know you. Show us the gospel tonight, Jesus. And as we head into our group time, would we be open Will we just be honest? Will we not put on a fake face to look good? God, help us tonight. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. So what I'm really going to do is I want to show you, I want to go to really three parts of this text where we see two different kinds of things. Every, te- every part of this text is going to say there are two ways, there are two things, there are two people. And it's been heavy on my heart as I've prepared this tonight because at the end of the day, this text says you're with Jesus or you're against Jesus. You're either with Jesus, and what I mean by that is You're a Christian, you've been saved by the blood of Jesus, put your faith and trust in Christ and in nothing else. So that's either you or you're on the other side of the fence and you're an enemy of God. It's going to show us there were some people that looked like they might have been Christians, but at the end they were found wanting. It's going to show us that actually the road through Jesus and, uh, and, and walking in Christ is not an easy road. But I hope it reminds us of the weight of what we do here in church. <laughs> I stand up here every Sunday night because I want you guys to meet Jesus. And it's because so many of you do not know him. You know about him. You've heard talk about him. You might even be able to quote more scripture than me or than some of your leaders. But knowledge about Jesus is very different from knowing Jesus as your personal savior. 
So I'm just going to ask you to think deeply with me tonight. Be willing to look at your heart. Be willing to ask yourself hard questions and be honest tonight. So we'll start in verse 13. It's, it's pretty clear. Jesus lays out this idea that there are two gates. Two gates and only two gates. What are the two gates? Somebody looking at their copy of scripture? The narrow and the broad. The narrow and the broad or narrow and the wide, depending on your translation. There are two gates, and each gate has a very different destination, right? Two gates with two very different destinations. So one is the wide or broad gate. What, is, what does Jesus say about this gate? You got to speak a little louder. I'm way up here. Leads to destruction. What else does it say? It's easy. Good. So the wide gate is easy. It leads to destruction, though. What does it say about the narrow gate? It's not a quiz. I'm just, talk to me. It's narrow. The path will be hard. But what's the destination? Life. 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 This is a very interesting kind of word picture. I love thinking about life as kind of uh, a journey. One of the things I love about, uh, you know, The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings is every kind of every adventure is a journey from one point to another. You get this idea that they're walking out their door at home and they don't know when or if they'll get back. But you've got this picture of, journey, of a journey that they're going, that they're going, that they're going. Jesus kind of paints this picture, though, that there's a gate at the end of the path. There's a gate What is he talking about? <laughs> What's he talking about? I don't think he's just talking about pearly gates and a big wide gate at hell. What's he talking about? So he's talking a little bit about the choices that you make. I'm going to rephrase that just a little bit. At the end of the day... <laughs> Every single person makes a choice with their life. They make a choice to submit or not to submit. Or rather, to submit to themselves or to submit to the Lord. What is submission? We've talked about this. What is submission? Sure. So, uh, Allie said, letting someone else take control. It's this idea of bowing down before something or someone, fully submitting one's life to someone. You get, if you think about kind of the old, uh, uh, the, some of the Old Testament accounts, you think about uh, all the people that were made to bow down before idols or bow down before kings. This is a question of submission. Who are you submitted to? And Jesus is that beautiful but narrow gate. The reason it's hard is not, not necessarily just because life is not easy for Christians, but it's hard. There's only one way. There's not a billion ways to get through 
to heaven. There's not a billion ways to get through to eternity with God. Every one of you in here is submitting your life to something. For some of you, I can just look at your life and because I love you, I pray for you because I see your life is not submitted to the Lord. It's clear to those around you. What do you think a life submitted to the Lord would look like? If anybody says perfect, I'm going to disagree with you. So perfect is not it. Okay, loving those around you. That's a good picture. Struggle, who said that? Struggle, yeah. Struggle, it's not easy. Good. Humble, good. The uh, Sermon on the Mount starts with blessed are the meek. I guess, anybody else? Respectful to authority. Yeah, so not just showing love and respect when it's easy, but when it stinks and when it's hard and when you disagree with those in authority over you. I think you're missing some key, your key ones here. A life fully submitted Jesus to Jesus is somebody who's desperately in love with Jesus. We can't wait to sit at his feet. You can't wait to come to church on Sunday because you get to worship together with other believers. You get excited about Sunday nights, not because they're perfect, not because I'm the, uh, the best preacher, because none of that's true, <laughs> but because I get to come and worship together. I get to see my friends, hopefully who love Jesus, and I get to work to apply God's word to my life. You have a joy because you know your life has been submitted to the Lord. It means he has bought you, wrapped you, he's saved you from your sin. There's a new joy. It's a hard road. It's not an easy road. But it is a good road. Because you know where it ends, right? You know the destination is life. But the other option is destruction. That's what I love when we get to talk about Jesus is Jesus Christ is the ultimate game changer. What I mean by that is he comes into the picture as a baby in a manger. He lived a perfect life. He died on the cross to make a way for you and me to become right with God. Because our sin had separated us from God. Jesus came into the picture. He defeated death and sin. And he made a way for you and for me. That's the gospel. When we submit to the Lord, we're putting our faith and trust in Jesus and giving him rule and reign over our entire life. So that does play out in school and at home, here at youth group. 
a life that's been bought by Jesus looks different. It looks very, very different. The next thing we see here, actually we're going to jump to verse 21, is that there are some that Jesus knows, and there are those who don't. There's those he doesn't know, excuse me. Very clear, there's two kinds of people. He knows you or he doesn't. When you read this text, it's a scary text. Let me read verse 21 to you. And following, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who's in heaven. And on that day, many will say, Lord, Lord, did we not, listen to this, prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name, and do many mighty works in your name. And then I will And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me. I remember when I first read that scripture, I just about peed my pants. I was in high school. I was growing and changing and becoming more like Christ. He was showing me uh, what it looks like to live for him. I was doing it in a very poor way. But I remember reading that verse and almost peeing my pants. If there's any wet spots, never mind. I'm not going there. What do you guys think when you hear this text? When you read this, you sit here in these chairs, you hear me read it out to you, what do you think? Okay. Good. So you're not going to get to, to, uh, to that, that judgment seat and just say, well, God, check out all the things I did. I mean, look at me. Look at me. Yeah. What else, what else kind of comes to mind when you read this? Hmm. Good. So uh, he likened it to the kind of the end of Pilgrim's Progress, if any of you have read that, where this guy gets to the gate, he didn't have a scroll, he, never, he didn't repent and submit his life uh, to God, so he's not let in. What else are you guys thinking? Engage with the text. Think, think about the text. Jason. Yeah, many people who think or say that they're Christians will not find out until it's too late. It would be much more fun for me to have a different message tonight, to talk about something different, because this is a hard thing to talk about. But I promise you this, I talk about this because I love you. And because I want God desperately to work in your life. And because if, if you truly are a believer, this shouldn't scare you necessarily. But it should give you a weight in your life because you know people who aren't. 
Or you know people in your own circle or in your own discipleship group that are playing the game. Your heart should break for them. Because salvation's at stake. Eternity is at stake. Jesus says, I knew you or I don't know you. Here in this text, he says, I never knew you. They tried to point to religious things they've done, things that they've accomplished, and Jesus brushed it aside and said, I never knew you. It's because these things were most likely self-serving. They were trying to build their own kingdom for their own glory. I think if, uh, if this was put in kind of a modern context today and it, it wasn't so much, you know, casting out demons or all these things, if it was us standing there, we would say, but Jesus, didn't I go on a missions trip for you? But Jesus, didn't I come to church 50 Sundays a year? But Jesus, didn't I raise my hands in worship and praise you when I was singing? But Jesus, didn't I help feed the poor, work at Fairhaven, do stuff at New Hope? What Jesus is saying at the end of the day is what's going on in your heart is the most important thing. Salvation is an inward change, not simply an outward change. And only he knows, this is what makes my job hard and, and people who want to love you hard, it, is we have no idea what's going on inside. I can't make you love Jesus and I can't make you be honest with yourself or with those around you. There was no submission to Christ. I think about when we did our Philippian series, when there was those, uh, those guys who were uh, kind of preaching the gospel out of spite for Paul while he was in jail. Now, Paul was excited that the gospel was going out, but there were some faulty motives going on. There's a lot of men who have huge churches for the wrong reasons. There's a lot of men and women who are doing things in Christ's name for wrong reasons. It happens here in this youth group. You have conversations maybe for the wrong reasons. You do something out in the hallway that might look more like Christ, but inside you're, I hope they notice that. I can't see your heart. I wish I could, but I can't. And I just want to end with this, this last story, which, which you know this one. So I need to try to make sure we talk about it in a way where you don't just check out. But verse 24 through 27 gives this account of this two men that build houses. And so what I want to show you from this is at the end of the day, true submission to Christ will always lead to new obedience. True submission leads to new obedience. Who here has heard this before, this story? Most of us have. 
when God builds his house on the rock, when God builds his house on the sand, the storm comes, one house is left standing because it's built on the rock, right? If you hadn't heard it, that's it in a nutshell. It's verse 24 through 27. Uh, If you were here a couple of years ago, I actually taught this parable and I brought up some of my son's Legos. And I built a really tall tower uh, and I showed you how easy it was to knock over. But then I built it on this big square base that he had and all of a sudden it could stand. All of a sudden it could stand. So this is, not, this is not a flashy story. This is not a crazy story. At the end of the day, what Jesus is communicating is if your house is built on anything else other than me, you have no hope of standing. No hope of lasting. I've said this before, but I'll say it again. Notice in this parable, the storm still hit both houses. It wasn't like you become a Christian, uh, build your house on Jesus, and the storms just go around your house. No, the storm still came. But here's what I think we read over so quickly in this text, because we, we go straight to, we've heard this so many times, yeah, Jesus is the rock. I mean, we're saying Jesus is my cornerstone. That is exactly from Scripture. That is a great thing to think about. But we read straight past verse 24, which says, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man. And then he talks about him building his house on the rock. Sometimes I get scared to talk about obedience with you guys for fear that I'll just get you to do more good things without ever thinking about Jesus and your need for a savior. But Jesus doesn't seem to have that problem. So I probably should be a little less careful. Jesus very clearly says, if you love me, you will obey. You will submit. So as we think about everything we've talked about, if you have put your faith and trust in Christ, obedience to your parents is a natural outflow of being a Christian. Submission to your discipleship group leaders as they try to love you and care for you is fruit of a believer. How you interact with your teachers and your friends' parents and your boss, if you've got a boss, is fruit of what's going on inside. Jesus had no qualms talking about obedience. He had no problems talking about obedience with response to the gospel. If you build your life on anything other than Christ, it will fail you. All you have to do is look around. I read an article, I may have, I may have said this before. I read an article probably a year ago about Michael Jordan, okay? Michael Jordan's considered to be uh, probably the best basketball player of all time. If he's not the best, he's top five. Most people would say he's number one. Um, he just recently was interviewed and was asked if he felt fulfilled. And he basically, I don't have the words in front of me, said, 
I would do anything to go back and play again. I would do anything to go back and play some more. Because my life is not fulfilled. Dude won many championships. MVPs. Probably considered the best basketball player ever. And he still was not satisfied. He built his house on sand. And it's crumbling around him. It's crumbling around him. If you look at your scriptures, if you've read much of your Old Testament, you can uh, read about Solomon. And we've, we've referenced this before, but Solomon had more stuff than you can imagine. Everything that people said would make you happy, he had. And he still, when he wrote that part of scripture, says everything is meaningless. He was not satisfied. If you build your house on anything else, you will not be satisfied. And and actually what makes me more scared is you might find some level of satisfaction here. But when you sit before the judgment seat of God, if you are not in Christ, you will not enter the kingdom of God. You will not enter eternity with God. This is the gospel, and the gospel is about submission. There's this kind of goofy theological idea where some people talk about, this is when I got saved, and this is when I submitted myself under the Lord's lordship for my life. And that's not a proper understanding of salvation. You may grow to submit yourself more and more to the Lord as you grow and change. But you can't have the grace of God without submission to the Lord and Jesus as your Savior. So when we talk about submission, this is the ultimate act of submission for you and for me. How do you respond to the Savior, Jesus Christ? And when you look at your life, does the fruit match up with what you claim? That's my question for you. You'd be like, Ryan, man, you've asked us this question before. Yeah, and I'm going to ask everybody until I die the same question. Because I want them to know Jesus. If I get a different job someday and somebody says, you know, what do you remember about Ryan? If you say he was fun and we've had a lot of good trips, that's fine. But if you also said, yeah, his teaching got a little bit old. He just kept talking about Jesus. I will dance in my grave. I will be excited. I will happily go down as a one-trick pony. It's because I love Jesus, and I want you to as well. We're to be hearers and doers. We respond to the gospel by submitting ourselves under Jesus Christ's lordship, his kingship, his rule, his reign. And that influences all of our life. So that when we talk about gender and sexuality over the next couple of months, when we say, this stinks, Ryan, this is hard. I don't like how this is set up. I'll say, I totally understand. But I submit myself to Jesus and what he says. That's lordship. 
That's submission. There's some parts about being a man and the responsibility of being a man that I do not like because it is hard. But it is my job because God said so. And so I will do all that I can to be an image bearer of Christ as a man. There will be some things you ladies will hear about God's design for you that will be hard and that will be tough. But if you're a Christian, oh, I pray that you will say, but God says this is who I'm to be. So I will be this. Now, I promise you, it's not like there's one single mold for all men and we should all look the same way, do things the same way, or same for women. There's some uniqueness and ability to exercise different gifts for all of us. But there's some things that God has laid out that are non-negotiables. That I hope and pray when we run into them over this next semester, we can say, I have a choice right now to submit to my own feelings and my own thoughts and my own desires, or I can submit to Jesus. And I pray, I pray that it will be to Jesus. Just got a couple of quick journal questions for you. And then we'll be done. But before I do that, I just want to remind you, evidence of true salvation, everybody look at me, evidence of true salvation is found in your daily submission to Christ. It's about fruit, guys. We're saved by Christ, bought by Christ. Nothing we can do can add to our salvation or take it away. But when we're changed by Christ, we look different. All right, so just a couple of quick questions. The first one is just, I'd love you to sit and think about this a little bit more. What is your initial reaction to this text, verse 21 through 23? What are you thinking? What do you like and not like? What is maybe hard to understand? What is going on in this text? Number two, what areas in your life have you been unwilling to be obedient in? So I'm not talking about the ones that you're actually going after and But what are you actually struggling to submit yourself to? And then number three, if you were a Christian, what areas of growth in you have you seen in how you submit to the Lord? That's just a moment if you're a Christian to look back and thank the Lord for how he's growing you. All right, let me pray and then I'll give you guys about three to five minutes to do these questions. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it gives answers. I thank you that it points to you, Jesus. Lord, I do pray that as we wrestle with fruit in our lives and wrestle with the gospel, Lord, that we would never get to the point where we push hard for fruit and not talk about the gospel, but Lord, that it would always be, Lord, we look for fruit because it flows from what you've done in our life. God, I love these students and I I know you know that and I, I just pray that you would work in their lives tonight. Would you help them to be honest with themselves and honest with their friends? God, would they really, truly 
recognize that their leaders love them and want to hear what's going on in their heart. We don't want just easy answers or the churchy answers. We want to hear what's going on in their heart. Jesus, would you cause the gospel to be exciting to us? Would it never be the same old, same old thing? Jesus, we love you. In your name we pray. Amen.